all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. The dulcet tones of the washing machine draining in the background means it's time for another episode. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Uh, I have a job now, and I gotta do these when I have time. So if if laundry is happening, if Miriam's doing laundry in the background, uh, it's tough. I I gotta go. I gotta do this while I can. Because here's the thing, is I, I like to do these when the wife is out of the house. I feel a little more comfortable and more relaxed. The pressure is not on. Like, she's not like, eh, excuse me, I, just, I need to get through. Can I just, uh, sorry, don't mean to interrupt. That would be a, a, a sitcom waiting to happen. Me and Woody Allen just hanging out. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, so anyway, so yeah, so I have to put up with a little bit of laundry in the background, uh, in order to get this, uh, get the house to myself. Uh, okay, so I'm, I am, uh, looking for my notes. I should have been more prepared. Boy, I really, I really am. I really don't have my shit together lately. I'm just a bit of a mess. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so, so, um, a lot's been going on, a lot's been happening, um, uh, this you'll see in the iTunes. This episode is named Vegas. Uh, it really should be called "Don't Go to Vegas." Uh, but of course, I am so in love with my one-word titles, a la the Pearl Jam album Ten, that I could not, for a second, not do a one-word title. So anyway, we're gonna call it Vegas. Uh, but. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Obviously, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, we will wait until later in the program uh, so you can learn why you should not go to Vegas. And boy, I really don't. But uh, let's talk about some other things. Um, uh, the other things that have been going on. Boy, I really am out of it. And I haven't been drinking even. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know. It's all, it's all new. It's been a while, let's be honest. Uh, so last we left... Uh, I was talking about, you know, uh, now that I've got this new job, uh, and I was talking about the urinals, and of course the logical next step is, what about shitting? What's the shitting environment like at this new job? Well, here it is. So, there, we are, our, our little business is one floor of this building and so there's a fair amount of people on it and there's one men's bathroom and that's it so there's no running to other floors i mean we're in a big building but i'm assuming because you know in order to get to our bathroom you actually have to get a key card to get in uh and use the bathroom if that's a thing you want to do no 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 i'm not i just here to to stink up your bathroom that's i just don't mind me and, uh, and so I just, you know, it, 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 it was weird because it changed my whole perception about how I used to run to other floors to shit. And now once confronted with the lone bathroom with three stalls, it's like, well, this is where I'm shitting. This is, I've got to just shit here until they released a note saying, hey, uh, they're going to be doing some work on the bathroom, so, uh, you know, it's only between these hours and these hours, but the bathroom's going to be unavailable, so you're going to have to go down to this other floor. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I didn't realize we had, uh, you know, offices, more offices in this building. I thought we were kind of it, and it was just, you know, other people in the building. So anyway, so I was like, all right, whatever. And of course, wouldn't you know it, I got a shit at the time, you know, that the bathroom's unavailable. Because my body, again, it does its own thing. Whatever, no heads up, just sort of like, there you go. So then, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I just gotta go down to the other floor and shit. And then, I get there, and I realize, it's just an open floor, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if you've been in these office buildings where it's just, you know, a series of offices that are, you know, 
all different companies, and then they all share sort of a communal dorm-like hallway bathroom. And so now, and I don't think anybody else on this floor knew that that they were sending people down from the higher floors to be like, go invade this people's bathroom. And then, you know, uh, for, you know, for, for a while, I'm sure it was like super easy to grab a stall, maybe even get a little bit of alone time. But no, the, the population of the bathroom is increased tenfold because all these strangers are coming in. Interlopers! And so then it kind of fucked me up a little bit because I was like, oh, no. No, no, no. I was just getting used to the idea of being cool with shitting on my own floor and now you're introducing this new floor in which I can shit on? But thank goodness. Thank goodness I I got over myself and uh, I I continue to I continue to uh, shit on my own floor, and it's fine, and I'm used to it. Um, but boy, if there was a way to find out how I could just shit at home, I would be just so much happier. I hate shitting at work; it's the worst. Another thing I did um, with my time off is I uh, went to the batting cages, uh, which I am off to do, and um, I. It was one of the rare times where there was a line and uh, there was a guy in there and his, I don't know, five-year-old son was, you know, sitting outside the cage watching him uh, swing the bat. And the five-year-old thought it would be awesome if he told his dad everything he did wrong. And uh, I tried to record it and I couldn't. I will try and uh, recreate that moment for you now, uh, which was pretty much... um, You missed it, Dad. You swung too late, Dad. Which, you know, you just go to the batting cage because you just want to relax and unwind and just forget about everything that you did wrong that day. And then there's the reminder of telling you everything you did wrong. Now, mind you, the boy was fair. He did let the dad know when he did hit the ball Not quite as annoying as being told when you did wrong, but, yeah, not as relaxing either. It's just being like, oh, yeah, that was good. That was a good hit. Yeah, I like that. You hit that one, Dad! Um, Oh, so uh, one of the other things that we noticed, uh, uh, E.T., the movie E.T. came on the TV the other day, and uh, this movie is absolutely bonkers, right? Like, if I showed you E.T. and said, this movie was made by a 12-year-old, you'd be like, wow, that's incredible. That, 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 that 12-year-old, that's a hell of a writer. That kid's going to go somewhere. But instead, if I said, this movie was made by a 30-year-old Steven Spielberg, the same guy who's made some really great movies, made this weird turd. Uh, I know what you're saying. Oh, when I saw it when I was 12, it was great. Yeah, when you were 12. But you go back and watch this thing, and, and then there is stuff in it that, as a 12-year-old, you, you just totally buy into. You're like, oh, right, okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. I mean, and I'm not even talking space alien stuff. I'm talking about stuff like the mom. So the, the movie opens... And the older boy, uh, Elliot's older brother, and his friends are playing Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, the mom is doing the dishes in a bathrobe. I don't think she's wearing any other clothes. She's just in a bathrobe. Now, to a 12-year-old, you're like, meh, all right, you know, whatever. Broad likes to wear a bathrobe. I like to wear a bathrobe, too. Hey, what's the difference? Except I wear it like a cape. But uh, the mom... Probably not wearing any else. Uh, a bunch of horny 13-year-olds. And, and nobody even makes a mention of it either. Nobody's like, hey, mom, why don't you put some clothes on? My friends are over. You're embarrassing me. You're weird. No, nothing. And, and then she's... And then... So then the mom disappears for a little bit. And the boys order a pizza. They Elliot wants to play Dungeons & Dragons with the older boys. Sure, why not? What kid doesn't? It's not like the older boys were doing something amazingly cool. Uh, so uh, they want, you know, they want to get rid of Elliot. And so they're like, here, you know, make yourself useful, whatever. Here's a wad of cash. 
go pay the pizza guy. I think he's here. Meanwhile, I don't, I don't know how they knew he was there because he didn't ring the doorbell. They were just like, go wait for the pizza guy. And they're like, yeah, and uh, make sure it has lots of uh, sausage and pepperoni on it. Like, what, what's Elliot going to do? Elliot's not ordering the pizza. It's not like Elliot's like, hey, mister, you got any extra sausage in your pants for this pizza? It looks a little light. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Woo! And just like taking handfuls out of his pants and just, oh, I got some pepperoni in my jacket pocket. Hang on, let me throw a little extra on there. No. So then Elliot runs back to the house and he... Uh, gets startled by E.T., who is, oh, by the way, I'm sorry, I, I totally missed a really important part about this. E.T., mind you, so E.T. is built like a penguin, like an even fatter penguin, for those of you who don't remember. Uh, in the very beginning of the movie, uh, E.T. is collecting plant samples for his friends on the spaceship. A random bunch of adults, they're in unmarked vehicles, show up right like i don't know i don't know if you know the same neighbors i do but none of them are like i saw a strange light in the sky round up everybody let's go let's go drive around and chase it down i mean if if i did that with the rest of my neighbors they'd be like no no i'm just gonna i'm gonna sit indoors watch some tv you know, because it's not like they were in the middle of the wilderness where there's nothing to do. No, they lived in a city. It's just with the wilderness nearby. Anyway, so these guys roll up in their like broken down, you know, Bronco Ford trucks with flashlights. That's how you know they're bad. They're headless adults with flashlights in the woods. I don't think they even had guns. They're just dudes with flashlights. So E.T. starts freaking out. Now, E.T. then starts to bunny hop his way through the forest. I don't know if you know, but penguins suck at running, right? They are not good land animals, and just like them, E.T. sucks at at vertical movement. Uh, But as we quickly learn in this movie... The dude can levitate. He can levitate anything. He can levitate the bicycle that he is riding on. He can levitate the little Play-Doh balls in Elliot's room to make a solar system. The dude can fucking fly. And yet, what does he choose to do in a moment of panic? I'm gonna run on foot. Genius, E.T. This is why your dumbass is stuck on Earth. You're too stupid to fly in a moment of panic. Dumbass alien. So anyway, Elliot, or so E.T. is now um, living in the tool shed behind Elliot's house, and he makes a noise or something, freaks Elliot out. Of course, Elliot's reaction is to drop the pizza. Now, I don't know if you've ever been startled by anything, but the, my, my reaction when I am startled is to grip the thing tighter, not to all of a sudden throw my fingers open and thrust i mean if something is coming at me i suppose but if it's just gonna scare me i clench up but anyway fine elliot drops the pizza runs into the house screams i saw something everybody the old boys the mom everybody goes out to see what's on and the mom they see the pizza And the old boys yell at Elliot, way to go, you dropped the pizza. And then the mom says, well, who said you could order a pizza? Like, what what the fuck, lady? Lighten up. We're just, it's just a pizza. It's not like we stole a pizza. We ordered it. We legitimately called an agency, ordered it, and they delivered it. Calm the fuck down. And so, of course, she's still in a bathrobe. Has not put on a stitch of clothing. And... They open up the pizza and they're like, oh, it's ruined. No, it's not. It's fine. It's just got a little bit more cardboard touching it than it did five seconds ago, but it's fine. Just eat it. And what 14-year-old boy is like, oh, I'm not touching that now. No, just scrape it off the floor and eat it. It's fine. It's still in the box. It's not like he flipped it up in the air and like pepperoni went uh, asunder. And then, and then the moment comes that... Uh, I, it bothered me when I was 12 and it still bothers me to this day. 
they they look there. So E.T. has some footprints in the ground where he ran into the tool shed and the older boy. Now, mind you, of course, E.T. has humongous feet, right? He's got, you know, Shaquille O'Neal sized flippers on him. And the older boy looks at the the impressions in the in the dirt and he goes, Coyotes come back again, Ma. Really? A coyote? What when you got twenty-eight foot tall coyotes running through here that leave, you know, size sixteen sneaker imprints into the ground? And mind you, of course, this thing looks nothing like a coyote print. It's like long and skinny and it basically looks like a swim fin. And you're like, yeah, coyote, definitely. I would believe giant duck before I believe coyote, dumbass. No, coyotes are not back. So, and of course, what's great, too, is like he says, coyote's back, mom. Nobody even acknowledges it. She's just like, all right, all right, let's get back into the house. And they leave the pizza on the ground, which is dumb. So, of course, we can see, you know, E.T.'s hand come out and get it. Some other notable parts uh, of this film. I am not going to recap the entire film. Just from this, just know this film is bonkers because uh, it's so it, it's so it's so. One of the things about it that's crazy. First of all, is uh, ET gets drunk on Coors beer, which is fun because they don't make that anymore. Uh, or no, no, I'm sorry, it's not Coors. It's Olympia, Olympia beer. Of course, they make Coors beer, dummy. Yes, yes, they make Coors beer. Olympia beer is what he gets drunk on, and they don't make that anymore. And uh, it's it's um, interesting to see anybody drinking alcohol in a kid's movie. I always find that amusing. Anyway, so um, there's the classic scene in which Elliot frees. He, so he's got this sort of spiritual connection with E.T. So E.T. gets drunk, Elliot gets drunk, and he gets all this crazy confidence. And then he frees all the frogs from their formaldehyde, not formaldehyde, but but um, chloroform, it, it, chloroform containers, uh, because I guess they're going to dissect them, which sounds crazy. Like, these kids, first of all, in this lab experiment, the kids have to kill the frogs, which, or, or, because, you know, we never get that far, so we don't really know what the plan is. So they either have to kill them, or... Um, they have to put them to sleep and then cut them open live. Neat. Uh, so uh, a more crazy, heinous, uh, uh, just life-scarring uh, adventure I cannot imagine for a science teacher to be like, hey, kids, take this living thing and kill it. Fantastic. You have become a man because you've killed a living thing. I hope I explained that for people who who haven't seen the movie, uh, and some of that made sense. But anyway, so it's there's this weird lawlessness to this movie that also I find very strange. Like, there's that aspect of it where he frees the frogs. There's another thing he does where he, like, pretends he's sick, and so he can stay home and take care of E.T., but then E.T. almost drowns in the bathtub, but he doesn't really because apparently E.T. can breathe underwater, which is dumb because that's never, that never, ever comes up at any other point in the movie. But the crazy thing about him when he stays home being sick is that there's no adults around. He just tells his mom, oh, I'm sick. Go to go to work. It'll be fine. I got to stay home from school. But you go to work. And she does. And nobody looks in. Nobody comes by. No, nothing. He's just home alone with, you know, and what is he, like eight, ten, something? I don't know. Uh, and then with this uh, crazy space alien. But, you know, of all those times I've, like, like screamed about how, like, scripts don't make any sense and, like, why didn't they just put in, like, a little bit more effort to fix it so, it, you know, it's logical in some way. Th- this movie is that times a million, right? So n- almost nothing makes any sense in this movie in terms of, you know, except for, like, I guess when the FBI guys show up and they're like, oh, yeah, we got to quarantine your weird friend. I'm going to fuck it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that alien that got my part in my You know, other than that, like, the rest of it is just 
Just so nonsensical. And yet, it was yet another one of these crop of movies that we all saw as a kid that we were like, that is awesome. You know, it's like Dirty Dancing. It's like, yeah, you know what, Jerry Warbach? You were right to put Baby in the corner because she's 16 and that 24-year-old dance instructor is going to fuck the shit out of her, get her pregnant, and then you're going to be stuck with it. Yeah, Karate Kid. Yo, Karate Kid? No, not a good movie. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm in a dojo, and it's super important to me to win to the point where I've got to, like, break this kid's leg. No. No. So here's the deal with Vegas. Vegas, look, here's a quick history of what Vegas is. In the 70s, mobsters started it so they could have a place for people to gamble. And maybe see a show. Fine. Then, uh, maybe that was the 60s. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Then, in like the 80s, like early 90s, um, Vegas said, you know, we need, we need some new blood coming to Vegas. How about we make it family friendly? We'll get families to come out to Vegas. It'll be great. Uh, you know, the study of the night, you know, the kids will get indoctrinated into Vegas as being a fun place to go, you know, and they'll just keep coming back. Well, here's what they realized. Um, families of five don't spend very much money, right? They sure, they sure don't gamble. And if they do, they're the lowlifes and the degenerates of the world. And do you really want to be that? Hey, I know you've got four other people who depend on you for their income uh, 10 floors up in their hotel room, and you're down here at 2 o'clock in the morning gambling away your life savings because you're a degenerate weirdo, but welcome to Vegas! So at one point, um, they, they switched it in maybe like, you know, the last like, I don't know, 5, 10 years or whatever to, hey, Vegas is a party. It's party central. Come on, single people. And then, you know, so then they started that whole campaign, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and all that bullshit. But what they don't tell anyone is that they really made Vegas for two people. They made it for super, super old rich dudes and their trophy wives. And that is who Vegas is for, right? Because... You know, uh, high rollers who can afford expensive hotel rooms and uh, gamble thousands of dollars and don't think any of it that they've just lost it all in a night. They don't give a shit. Their hot wives go shopping at these crazy expensive high end uh, uh, malls and boutiques, not boutiques. They're all like brand names and chain stores, but they're all, you know, the Dolce Gabbana's and all that stuff of the world. And they're all super expensive. And that's the thing. This is the thing about Vegas. This is why you should not go to Vegas. Everything is crazy expensive, right? So the shows are expensive. The food is expensive. The hotel is expensive. Like even even if you don't gamble, uh, anything, everything is expensive. I saw a dude in Vegas pay $18 for a Red Bull and vodka. The, the Red Bull alone was 8 dollars and everything is more expensive and it's not better i mean it's my mom likes to go because she likes shiny things and she likes to see the hotels and stuff but it's all so crazy expensive so here's the other thing this is another reason why you shouldn't go to vegas if you think so the the people i went with were under the delusion that they were going to meet chicks in vegas they were thinking oh, there's bachelorette parties and they're crazy and they want to, you know, drink and get drunk and all this stuff. Okay, so here's here's all the reasons why that's a bad idea and wrong, right? So first of all, girls don't splinter off from bachelorette parties, right? They're not dudes. Dudes, when you walk, when you watch a group of dudes walk into a club, they don't even look at each other, right? Like their heads are looking in every other direction except each other because they're looking for chicks and they will drop their friends in a hot second to hook up with some girl. Women, on the other hand, are exactly the opposite. They want 
to be with their friends. They want to talk to their friends. And in fact, if a dude approaches their group, they are annoyed. Now you ha- now you are a problem. Where you know, you're not the one who's going to sweep in and be Mr. Cool, and then one of them's going to fuck you in the bathroom. No, you're an annoyance. So there's problem number one: is bachelorette parties, groups of girls don't want to deal with your dumbass. They want you to buy them drinks and then leave them alone. And that's sort of one of the other things about Vegas, right? That's Vegas's other agenda. Let's get hot chicks to come to Vegas. We'll treat them like queens and dudes will come and pay lots of money to stare at them and try and talk to them. And won't be able to. Uh, A classic example of this is um, we were trying to get into a day club, which is like a nightclub, except it's outdoors and it's happening in the middle of the day. It was like two in the afternoon. And there was four of us in our group. And we go up and, um, you know, I mean, it didn't seem all that crowded. I guess there was a little bit of a line. But anyway, we get up to the front of the line and uh, the guys, the bouncer's like, how many in your party? Big, big dude. That's the thing about Vegas. All the bouncers are enormous, super-sized. They're even bigger than regular bouncers. How many in your party? Uh, there's four of us. He looks, he counts. Four. Okay, no women. All right. I'm sorry. At this time, I cannot accommodate four gentlemen without table service. Which is basically saying, listen, if you had brought some chicks with you, we'd let you right in. But... The ratio in this club is already, unfortunately, way too dude-heavy, and we need to do as much as we can to get the chicks in here. And unless you're going to sit at a table and buy a bottle of $200 vodka, which you could get by at any liquor store for $5, uh, you know, all right, let's be fair, $20, uh, you ain't getting in. And that's Vegas's whole vibe, right? Chicks are treated like queens. Dudes have to pay and look at them. Now, here's the other problem. Vegas attracts a certain type. And for the woman, it's predominantly sort of the Jersey Shore, very brand label, image conscious, cares how she looks, cares how she dresses, more importantly, cares how you look, cares how you dress, And if you're not that guy, like, I I suppose even, you know, my pasty ass could try and pull that off. I don't think I'd do a very good job of it, but I'm not even trying to be that, right? Like, if you look at uh, the website Hot Chicks with Douchebags, that is Vegas. That is exactly 100% Vegas. And that's how those douchebags wind up with those women is that's their type. That's what they're looking for. Right. And we are not that right. The four uh, pasty software engineers uh, that were in Vegas, uh, you know, were not going to attract those women. And I think my cohorts who were looking for chicks were thinking there were normal girls in Vegas and there are not. There are not nice, normal. I just want to meet a nice guy. Women in Vegas. They all have the brains not to go to Vegas. But there was one really... I mean, I'll be honest. The trip was great, right? But I was traveling with people who were fun to travel with. It wasn't like I was, you know, alone in Vegas and I had to make my own fun. No, I mean, these guys would have been fun doing anything with. So uh, that was great for me. I I can't speak for the other guys. I'm sure sure they had a good time. I'm sure they would have liked to have made out with a chick, but... But but the big highlight, so when people ask me, you know, what'd you do in Vegas? Um, I've, you know, I try to live up to the code, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So I don't want to say too much. But the one thing that did happen that I really, really enjoyed was um, a mutual friend of ours had told us about uh, this drink that they serve at the Chandelier Bar in the Cosmopolitan Hotel. All right. So if you want to go find this drink, there's where you go. I'm not saying go. Please don't go. Please don't go to Vegas. Please. Uh, But that's where it is if you want it. And it's called Verbena. 
And verbena is actually a type of flower. Uh, and that's what makes this drink special is this flower that they put in it. Um, I don't think the effects that I'm about to describe are the typical with every flower, but I think this one, you know, who knows? They may do something special. They might, they might put crack cocaine on it. I don't know. I don't know. So the deal with it is, is it's just a, a tumbler glass with some green tequila based liquid in it and this little flower bud that they just drop in on top. And the deal is, is that you take the flower bud off top, you bite into it and you chew it up and then it it becomes like uh, the old uh, 70s candy pop rocks, the way it kind of crackles and dances on your tongue and, and sparkles in your mouth like pop rocks used to do. That's what this does. And it's a crazy thing because, you know, you're just sort of like, oh, I'm just chewing on this. I don't know. And then you just kind of get into it and you wait for it. And then it's like, whoa, this is fun. And then, you know, you've got a drink there to kind of, you know, like mellow its shit out. So... There was a bridal party of uh, older ladies. I, I would say probably one of the more normal groups of ladies I have seen in, in Vegas. And uh, they are sitting behind us. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I had approached them earlier because uh, a, a bunch of people in my group thought that one of them looked like wife Miriam. And so I said, hey, this would be funny if I stand next to you and get your picture taken. You know, it's like my wife is here with me. So I had already talked to them a little bit beforehand. And um, I had, uh, I, I, we had all done the Verbena drink at our group. And I was going up to the bar again to get another one because I really enjoyed it. And as I walked, I turned my head because they, the bridal party was right behind us on the couch behind us. And that's the way the, this bar is sort of set up. It's just sort of couches sort of butted up back to back to each other. And then they create little conversation pits and whatnot. So, you know, you can talk to your friends. So I looked over their couch and th the glass they serve the Verbena in is very distinct. And I noticed on their table, they didn't have one. And I said, this is going to be fun. That bridal party totally needs this. Mind you, I had been drinking a lot. And because uh, that's what you do in Vegas, apparently, is you just drink a lot. So I go up to the bar. Uh, I get two of them and I walk over to their little area. And I, I wish I had taped this because it would have been fun. Uh, but I wasn't thinking. Obviously, I've been drinking. I wasn't thinking clearly, uh, but clearly enough to have two. So I will sort of try and recreate that speech now that I told them and I said, I walked up to their group and I said, you know what? You've been such lovely couch wall mates uh, and it's been so fun sitting behind you. I thought I would share with you something that is not on the menu because it's not uh, and something I think you absolutely should try. The drink is called Verbena and it's got a flower in it that when you chew it up, it tastes like good old fashioned pop rocks. Now to show you that I'm not some sort of weirdo and trying to drug you, I brought one for me and one for you and so uh, I will lay it down in the center of the table and you and your group can figure out who's the lucky one that will have it. And of course, they all instantly uh, point to the bride-to-be and it's like, hey, give it to her. But then, and the weird thing about this group is they're all blondes. They're all exactly the same woman, right? They're all tall, blonde, um, and they all have the same look about them. Except for one, the brunette. Uh, and the brunette is is the troublemaker. She is clearly the, I'm here to cause some, some shit, right? I'm here to, to, to stir some shit up in Vegas. And you know, like when they were making the guest list for like who, who should come, they're like, we got to get Cheryl. Cheryl totally comes. She's the one who's crazy. And, um, Go listen. If you haven't heard it, uh, go seek out Joe Rogan's first album, I'll Be Dead Someday, and uh, talk. It, find the bit about women at strip clubs, because uh, that is exactly who this broad is. Right? Oh, wait. And every group of girls has got the one crazy friend that makes the call. Right? The one organ. You know who you are, you fucking freaks. The one organizer friend is like, come on, you're going! You have to come on, you have to go! Look, Debbie's going, Michelle's going, Sally's going. 
We all have to work. Come on, you're fucking going. Look, I don't care what you're wearing. If you're not dressed in five minutes, I'm fucking dragging out of the house naked. Let's go. Move it. And so I start to set the drink down on the table and the brunette instantly shoots up and says, we want the other one. You know, thinking that I'm, I'm trying to drug them or something. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll give you the other one. And then I'm pretty sure it was her who said, wait a minute. What have you planned it that way? And I said, so I, I step back and I'm like, look, I'm not trying to do some sort of like princess bride stuff on you here. And then everybody laughs and I go, inconceivable. And then, you know, because that's the bit from the movie where they do the whole dance with, you know, which glass has the Iocane powder in it. Anyway, if you haven't seen Princess Bride, Jesus, what are you doing? Listen to this. Go watch a Princess Bride. It's great. So uh, I, we figure, I'm just like, come on, just pick one. And then they pick one and I give it to them. And sure enough, the bride starts to chew on the flower and she starts... You know, she's kind of like, oh, this is a little weird. And she starts getting, and then and then she's like, oh, oh, what is this? And it was great. It was great. Whole, the whole bridal party was like, wee! Because they were like watching their, their friend freak out. It was awesome. So then I sit back, you know, in our group. And then uh, we're all about to leave about the same time we're all getting up. And then uh, one of them, one of the many Stepford Blondes, and, and by the way, I should be fair. They were all very nice. Um, I, I, yes, they were all very nice, all very married. Um, and, and this was the last of their friends to get married. Um, they just happened to look exactly the same, and which was very peculiar. Except for the, the well, even the Miriam one kind of looked uh, the same as the rest of them, except she was taller than, than real Miriam, which I do not like. I'm happier with shorter Miriam, don't get me wrong. Um, but one of them, one of them loved my presentation so much, those were her exact words, she had to hug me. Now, they must have been drunk because it was not that good. It was just sort of weird and out of the ordinary. And I think that's kind of what they liked. Uh, but the ironic thing, and the only reason I bring up the fact that, that she hugged me was because... That would have been the thing that I really wish I had captured on video is this woman coming up to me going, it was so great. I just have to hug you. And I was like, okay. But what I liked about it that the most is out of all the guys who were trying to like hit on chicks and pick up women and all that stuff, I was the one who got the most quote unquote action out of the group, right? Because I at least got to hug a stranger. Uh, you know, we'll leave out what happened with the strippers aside, but for unsolicited, just touching another person, I, the one, I was the one who got the most action, the one who didn't even try, the one who wasn't even looking for it. And I think the answer to that is, it wasn't that I wasn't looking for it. It's just that I wasn't afraid of getting rejected. I was just like, hey, this will be fun. I'll do this thing. And I did it. And it was great. And, uh, and I think if you go anywhere and try to pick up somebody, that's the answer, man. It's just try, throw yourself out there, give it a shot, do something fun, have something, have a little song and dance. I don't know. But you got to do something to you know, prove that you're not a creep. And something that people will remember, and it'll be fun. And maybe nothing will ever happen, but you'll have a good time doing it. And what is Vegas like to be, you know, to be a hot chick in Vegas has to be just an amazing, crazy thing that I don't understand. Like, you know, getting, but I, I just imagine it's like more than just. Oh, you get to, you know, get into a, any club you want. I mean, there's is something like just people like seeking you out and like ushering you into places and getting you in with high rollers and just being like, you have to, you're a hot chick. You, we need you here. I mean, it's sort of like uh, Howard Stern is now uh, on America's Got Talent and uh, he talks about how um, there is somebody whose job it is to go through the audience and find hot chicks and bring them up to the front and sit them like right behind the judges. So when the judges are judging, 
as the home viewer, all you're seeing is Judge and hot chicks. So, I mean, this is the thing about Vegas is it's just this, just this weird layered mystery. Like, I know that there is shit going on in Vegas that I know nothing about. I don't know where it is. I wouldn't even know where to ask or who to ask or where to find it or anything. And it's this crazy other world that I'm sure exists out there. For instance, like, um, every, Every non-skilled labor job in Vegas is done by hot chick, right? And, you know, you, you there's no way that all of these hot chicks grew up in Vegas and they were just like, well, I grew up or I'm working, you know, I'm going to school at UNLV or whatever, so I guess I'll just work in the casino or something. No, it's it's every hot chick who hands you a towel or picks up the towels or does, you know, any anything like that is a hot chick. And it's almost like Vegas has like this crazy recruiting program for hot chicks. And I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, I mean, if I was a hot chick, like going to Vegas and partying in Vegas and having fun in Vegas is awesome. Right. But as a hot chick, like would I really want to work in Vegas, I mean, unless I'm like a stripper or something, like would and and by the way, all the strippers in Vegas. Nah, that's not true. There are a lot of duds, but there are tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of strippers in Vegas. But but as a hot chick, would I want to work in Vegas? Because it doesn't seem like Vegas is any fun at all if you're working. I mean, it's a billion degrees. Uh, you're running around in the heat. Um, it just and, and it's just you know concrete and casinos and there's no trees no water except for what's in the swimming pool it just seems like a like a boiled existence right like it's it's sort of like the idea of being a cook for fun at home and you get to make something neat versus being a professional cook it, it i just it it does not seem like a fun place to be working but maybe that's the thing maybe that's what the hot chicks do in vegas is they work for eight hours they party their brains out they sleep for a couple of hours they go back to work they sleep a little bit more and then they party their brains out who knows this is the thing this is what i don't understand about vegas why do all the hot chicks come to vegas to work Hell, we went out to one place and uh, we, we talked to a sommelier who is the person who is the wine expert at the restaurant. She was a hot chick. It's just like, how, how, how do all of these hot chicks, why do all of these hot chicks come to Vegas? Is it the idea that they came here and they partied their brains out and they gambled all their life savings away and so they didn't have enough money to go home? They just were going to stay? I mean, do uh, all these casinos just have a hot chick farm that they raise the hot chicks on? By the way, Hot Chick Farm, way better book than Animal Farm. Way better ending. Actually, every single thing about it is better. That is a book I would read. I'm telling you, you want these kids today to read a book Make them read Hot Chick Farm, not some depressing old communist manifesto tale of power and greed. Just boobies. Yeah, up top. Okay, so let's say there is no Hot Chick Farm. I know, it's a bummer, right? But let's just pretend. For a second, I'm not saying it's real. I'm not saying there's no Santa Claus. I'm not saying there's no Hot Chick Farm. Believe. Clap your hands. Smack your dick if you believe in Hot Chick Farm. Well, I'm just assuming you're doing that right now. And if you're doing this on the bus, good for you. But let's just pretend for a second that there is no Hot Chick Farm. So that means these hot chicks have to be coming from somewhere, right? So let's say you're in, oh, I don't know. How about... Albuquerque, New Mexico, home of meth and Breaking Bad. And you are a hot chick in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And you're like, hey, I'm a hot chick. And maybe I don't know Albuquerque. I've never been. But maybe there is no place for a hot chick there, right? Like, you know, the hot chicks are just not embraced and coddled and they don't have as many opportunities as, you know, other places. But if I had my choice and I was a hot chick, you know, I would go to 
New York or Los Angeles, and I would try and become an actress or a model or something, not somebody who folds towels, right? Like, I mean, is that is that the aspiration or, or is it just like, I just need to get out. I need to get out of Albuquerque and I need to go a place where I will have, I, ne- I need to have zero qualifications and just enough to get a, you know, I'm a hot chick that will get me a job in Vegas. Might not get me a job in Provo. It might not get me a job in San Diego. It might not get me a job in Los Angeles, but in Vegas, there is enough request enough demand for the hot chick that I can just roll into town. There's a guy at the border, bus stop, contract in hand saying, you can fold towels. And I say, "Uh, great, let's fold towels. I don't care how gross the men are. I don't care that it's 105 fucking degrees outside. I will fold towels so I can get out of Albuquerque. And, oh, by the way, Albuquerque is the high spot, right? Like, there's towns of 2,000 people you haven't even heard of where all they do is fuck their cousins and eat turtles. So, Albuquerque is just a a small-ish town that you've never heard of, except one of you. But then, that begs the question of, well, who's getting the word out, right? Like, who is the, who, is it that these girls from Albuquerque and Provo and uh, 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 Brisbane, there you go, there's a lot of Brisbane's out there, uh, are coming to Vegas for like a couple of weeks and, you know, not even a couple of weeks, like uh, five days, three days, a weekend, and someone sees them and says, hey there, I see you're part of this. Lovely bachelorette party. Are you yourself married? No. What's a lovely girl like you not getting married? Well, I'll tell you what. Vegas has got many opportunities for a lovely single girl like yourself. What? Like what you say? Well, I don't know. Perhaps you could be captain of industry. Perhaps you could be a sommelier in one of our fine restaurants or you could fold towels. Anyway, why don't you think about it? Moving on here to Vegas. There are a lot of, a lot of job opportunities for a pretty lady like you. And if you're a gross weirdo dude, uh, you can snap the cards for the escorts who will come to your room every other block. Cause that's, that's their move. That's, oh, that's, that's the thing in Vegas is they, um, they snap the cards, I guess, to get your attention or something. And then they sort of like just flick them. It's a pa-ta-pap, boom. And they're like, these are the guys who tried. I guess they came to Vegas to be card dealers and they couldn't quite hack it. So now they just sort of uh, snap uh, uh, escort uh, business cards on the street. And who knows how that makes anybody any money, but whatever. Anyway, so if you're, look, if you're a hot chick and you've been approached or you've been in Vegas or you've thought about moving to Vegas, I want to know why. So years from now, when I'm on episode 400th of this podcast, I'm hoping somebody will come up to me and say, you know what? I was in... Space Vegas the other day, because that's what they renamed it. And here's my story. So, yeah, so there's just all of these weird mysteries around Vegas that I, I would love it if somebody could explain it to me. I doubt they ever will. Another reason not to go to Vegas is that it is really hard to adjust to normal life after Vegas. Like, when I was in Vegas... I would stay up till 4 a.m., go to sleep, get up at 8, 9 a.m. So I'd gotten, what, five hours of sleep? Drink constantly through the entire day. Do Repeat, get up at, you know, 7, 8, 9, whatever. Party all day and, and never feel tired. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a hangover. I didn't have ill effects. I mean, obviously, I had to moderate my drinking and all of that. But it was amazing, right? And then I get to work. I'm not drinking. I'm getting, I'm getting eight full hours of sleep. 
I'm sitting at my desk and I am exhausted. And it's not because of Vegas. It's every fucking day at this job, I am sitting at it exhausted. And I don't know what it is. Is it that I'm not moving around? Is it that it's just completely uninspiring? Is it that I don't have any friends? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But going to Vegas just shines a spotlight on the drudgery of day to day. And, you know, Vegas, too, it's, it's, there is an attitude to Vegas, which is the polar opposite of life at work, right? You know, because when you're in Vegas, it's, you know, everybody's drinking. There's, you, you can drink on the street. You can drink anywhere that, you know, just, I think you can't have glass on the street or something like that. So they put all your drinks in to-go cups. I mean, it, you know, there's just hot chicks everywhere and they're wearing practically nothing and you're just staring at them and they know you're staring at them. And we, we went to this one topless pool at the Wynn Hotel. And I'm saying that just in case you want to go. The Wynn Hotel has a topless pool. It's at the very, very end of the pool chain at the Wynn Hotel. But, but that's the thing. And it's like, yeah, okay, there are hot chicks at work, but they're there to work, right? They're not there for you to gawk at them like they are at the pool. And, you know, it's funny because the soundtrack of Vegas is I'm sexy and I know it. Thundering bass everywhere you go. When I came back from Vegas, uh, my MP3 player wasn't working. I was listening to thundering bass music, not because I liked it, because it made me feel like I was still in Vegas. And it is so hard to, you know, especially if you go to Vegas with your friends, you know, you're the, the people you can travel with and you just are on the same page with. And, and then, you know, so everything is easy and you just go and do and, and then you get back to work and you're just like, oh, this is everything I don't want to do. So with that piece of advice from me, from Vegas. From that crazy bachelorette party. From the music of Bright Brown. Let's do this one more time. Till then!